Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and it is Friday, July 30th. We have come to almost the end of the month, and uh, it certainly is the end of the week. And on today's show, I'm going to turn the attention to Giants training camp. Now, as I record this, the Giants have been in camp for three days. They've had two practices. So I want to kind of get you caught up on some of the storylines, share some observations, some very early observations, since the Giants are still in the acclimation period, meaning that they're in helmets and shorts, not a whole lot of hitting allowed. Matter of fact, no hitting allowed. But there are some takeaways I can give you. And I also want to comment on a couple of stories that have emerged since the Giants reported to training camp. So that's the agenda for today's show, which, by the way, is brought to you in part by Peacock and Williamson. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson bring you all the latest NFL news, notes, and analysis five days a week. Check out their podcasts, the Peacock and Williamson podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to start off the program by talking about the Kelvin Benjamin incident. Now, for those who aren't aware, and this this was kind of a big headline thing, and, you know, unfortunately, just the story took on a bigger life of its own. But what happened was on Wednesday, Kelvin Benjamin came out to practice uh, he had words with Joe Judge about, I, I want to say, roughly a quarter of the way in or so. And uh, Dave Gettleman came over and then Benjamin left the field. He took off his helmet, was frustrated, and just walked off the field with Dave Gettleman chasing after him. Wednesday night, after Benjamin was released by the Giants, New Jersey Advanced Media put out a story. They managed to track Benjamin down to get his side of the story. And Benjamin basically spouted off at the mouth about his treatment by Giants head coach Joe Judge, saying that he didn't think he got a fair shake from the head coach, and also saying that um, he felt that Joe Judge didn't have what it took to be a winning head coach, that he was just a guy that kind of sat around and cussed at everybody. Now, also, Benjamin admitted what might have been the crux of the whole issue. He The, the lead kind of got buried there, but Benjamin revealed to New Jersey Advanced Media that at the end of the spring workouts, the Giants staff had asked him to lose some weight, to lower his weight to about 251 pounds. Benjamin reported to training camp at about 268 which was actually three pounds more than I believe what he weighed at the end of, of the spring. So Joe Judge wasn't happy. He apparently took Benjamin aside and said, look, you came in overweight and I'm going to fine you because you're overweight. And Benjamin, according to his side of the story, said, well, you know, I passed my physical, I passed my conditioning test. You know, I, I always played at this weight and I've been successful. You know, what do you want from me? Benjamin also told New Jersey Advanced Media that he was, that he felt that the Giants were kind of suppressing him a little bit. They weren't featuring the highlights from the spring, the plays that he made on their social media accounts, which to me is a, is a silly complaint. 
But anyway, so the Giants parted ways with Benjamin. He he went off at the mouth speaking to New Jersey Advanced Media, and then I also believe to ESPN. And of course, Joe Judge was asked about that during uh, his Thursday media session. And Judge predictably did not take the bait. He said, look, whatever was said between us is going to stay between us. Now, Judge did address the cussing issue. Matter of fact, I'm going to play that clip for you real quick, and then I'm going to come back and just comment on this whole sad story here. I got some colorful language at times. I think you're out of practice. You watch. You guys can figure that out. Uh, Listen, I know how to clean it up the right time, too. I don't curse in front of, you know, my wife. I'm not going to curse in front of your kids, your wife, grandmothers, my mother, whatever it is. To be honest with you, I can't specifically tell you exactly what it is, but it's a little bit different when you're out there kind of heat of the moment in practice, teaching. Sometimes colorful language happens. Uh, You know, one thing I do have is a rule here. You know, we're never going to attack anybody personally. So there's certain things, maybe cuss words, we're never going to direct at a player. So there are certain times you have to use something for emphasis or something comes out because a certain amount of energy you have on the field at the time. However, we're never going to attack any player personally. Now, I don't care if you say that as a cuss word or anything else. We're never going to write. We're always coaching mistakes. We're correcting the position. All right. And we're helping the person. We're never attacking a person directly. All right. Everybody cusses. Let's let's be honest here. There's very few people in this world who don't cuss. But, you know, here's the bigger picture thing. And this is what Calvin Benjamin failed to realize. This is what Golden Tate failed to realize and what Mark Colombo apparently failed to realize. Joe Judge, when he brings everybody in, he makes his expectations very clear that it's about team. It is not about the individual. And the minute it becomes about the individual is the minute that that person is going to have issues with the Giants head coach. All right. So, you know, you go back to the Colombo story last year, and we all know, um, at least based on the details that came out, Colombo allegedly was not happy that he had to work with a consultant. All right. Uh, The Tate story, Tate, you know, on Monday Night Football, pounded his chest after catching a ball, screaming, give me the ball, you know, give me the ball more, whatever, you know, the exact words were. Then you have Benjamin coming in here and Benjamin saying, well, you know, I was successful at, at, you know, 260 pounds or, you know, whatever his weight was when he was with the Panthers. Why do I, you know, basically he was saying, well, why do I have to lower my weight? Why do you want me to lower the weight? You know, what these guys don't get is if you're asked to do something by your employer, as long as it's not something that's going to compromise your integrity or, you know, it's not something illegal, there's a reason why they're asking you to do stuff. I mean, I think all of us can sit here and say that at one point or another, we've been asked to do something by our bosses that maybe we don't agree with, maybe we'd rather not have been asked to do, but we do it because it's part of our job. And uh, presumably the boss knows best. So Benjamin is now an ex-Giant. The Giants are moving on. And, um, you know, here's the other side of the story. The, The players were asked about Joe Judge today about, you know, his methods and and his whole approach and everything. And every player that came out, James Bradbury, um, Xavier McKinney, Dexter Lawrence, Evan Ingram, just about every player said that, you know, Joe Judge is respected, that, you know, he, he gets along with the players and they get along with him and so on and so forth. But 
here's the bottom line when it comes to Joe Judge. He does have to eventually start winning games. Now, last year they went six and 10. They do appear to be headed in the right direction. Joe does seem to have a plan that he's sticking to and so far so good. But, you know, you wonder if the Giants don't win, what might happen? Now, let's not go there, obviously. I know I brought it up, but, you know, let's think positive and think that the Giants are going to win. Everything's going to be fine. And this is a team on the rise. But what I'm getting at is, is if you keep preaching something and you don't see tangible results, sometimes that can lead to um, discord amongst the ranks. And I don't think that's going to happen with the Giants in the Giants locker room, but just, you know, a point that had to be made regarding, you know, the demands and whatnot. And, and again, to be fair to Joe Judge, he's very transparent with the, with the players. He explains why he asks them to do stuff. He also seeks their input on stuff, you know, probably more than what people realize, to be honest with you. So it's not like it's a one-sided dictatorship where he just sits and says, okay, this is what it's going to be and how it's going to be. And that's it. End of story. He does solicit feedback from his veterans. So there's where that mutual respect comes in. And when you get a player who comes in and thinks he knows better or disagrees or whatnot, and then kind of does his own thing, that's not going to sit well with Joe Judge. And that's why Kelvin Benjamin is the latest person to learn that you just don't mess with the guy. You, you you know, if you have a problem or if you don't understand something, talk it out with him. Joe Judge always says that, you know, my door is open. Anybody wants to come in to talk to me, I'm always available. Um, but for guys to go and just kind of do their own thing, it's clear that Judge doesn't have a, a very high tolerance level for that. And he's just not going to put up with that. And I don't blame him. I just don't blame him. You know, there's a lot of pressure on the him and the team to turn things around, get into the playoffs. And they just can't have guys like Calvin Benjamin doing their own things just because it worked for them in another life cycle. So, all right, Giant fans, we still have a lot more to cover on today's show. We're going to have a few more major storylines. And then, of course, some initial training camp observations that I have been taking note of during the first two days of practice. And, you know, unfortunately I can't give you player deployment, but I do have some observations that I think you might find interesting. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a healthy, low carb, low sugar, and high protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time offering available in nut and nut-free varieties. Visit BuiltBar.com and get 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your first order. All right, Giant fans, in this segment, we are going to talk about one other major storyline. And then, of course, coming up, I have some training camp observations, so please stick around for that. But uh, a big storyline to emerge from Thursday, besides, you know, the whole Kelvin Benjamin, Joe Judge squabble, was offensive lineman Shane Lemieux suffered a knee injury. Now, Lemieux was spotted being carted off the field about, I want to say, three quarters of the way into the practice. Not a good sign. I know initially some reporters tweeted that he was holding on to his elbow. He was actually probably just crossing his his arms there because, you know, look, if if he had hurt if he had hurt his elbow, I doubt they would have carted him off. So um anyway, the Giants did confirm 
that Lemieux suffered a knee injury. They did not, however, say how serious the knee injury was, whether it was to the MCL, the ACL, or whatever. Um, they did not say, you know, how long he might be out. My understanding as of uh, Thursday night was that Lemieux was to get an MRI and they were to determine just exactly what happened and make a determination as to, you know, how long he might be out. Fingers are crossed that uh, it's nothing that's going to keep him out of action too long because, look, you know, you look at the Giants offensive line and I think we can all agree that we were all a little nervous coming into the tr into training camp after the Giants didn't add to that unit after the Giants, you know, actually, I shouldn't say they didn't add. They added Jonathan Harrison, who, by the way, is on PUP, and um, Zach Fulton. But really, the Giants added more coaches to the unit than they did players. So you've got Zach Fulton, uh, I'm sorry, you've got Jonathan Harrison on PUP. You've got Matt Pert on PUP. And now you have Shane Lemieux potentially looking at missing a few days of practice, depending on how severe his knee injury is. So a position group that was already shaky to begin with has taken another dent to its depth. And, you know, look, I get it. You can't plan for injuries. I totally understand that. But th it just seems like, you know, the Giants plan to, to run this young offensive line that they feel so good about is taking one hit after another after another. And, you know, when you put together a roster, you obviously want to try to plan for as many contingencies as possible. And the Giants feel that, you know, they had the veteran depth, the safety net, if you will, behind the young guys. So you're going to have guys like Kenny Wiggins potentially get into the lineup. I think he he filled in for um, Lemieux after he went down. Nate Solder is currently, you know, working at right tackle for Matt Parrott. But the concern here is the more these young guys miss in terms of practice time, you now have to question whether they're going to be ready to step on the field come week one. So that's the big question mark. And uh, of all the units to have something happen, the offensive line was probably the one unit that the Giants could ill afford to have injuries start to pile up. So on that note, let's just hope that Lemieux's injury is just a, a mild sprain and that if he sits out a couple of days, you know, the Giants have practice Friday. They've got a, a short practice, I think, on Saturday night, and then they have Sunday off, and then they're back at work on Monday, and then the pads go on Tuesday. So maybe, you know, fingers crossed, Lemieux, if he can get the weekend to rest and then Monday and then be ready to go when they put the pads on. Hopefully everything will be fine and he'll be ready to rock and roll when the pads go on and when football really starts to amp up a little bit. Couple of other quick notes um, I want to mention before I get into the training camp observations. The Giants are planning to bring back running back Alfred Morris, according to an NFL Network report by Tom Pelissero. And this is a move that I actually hope the Giants would have made earlier in the year, but I guess they wanted to kind of see what was out there and update, you know, upgrade the talent they had. But I'm really glad they're bringing back Alfred Morris because he was a good blocker for them. And, you know, he was pretty good. You know, he could, he was good out of the backfield. He was a decent runner. And, you know, th the reason why I think the Giants are bringing him in, 
you've got Saquon Barkley on the pup list, you know, and, and, you know, with the joint practices coming up, the Giants probably want to increase their depth a little bit at the position. You know, Sandro Plotzkummer just got off the NFI list. Taquan Mizell was put on IR and has since been waived. Um, Saquon, like I said, is not going to be available. My guess is he won't be available until the last week of training camp. So they're a little short there at running back. And Alfred Morris is a guy who knows the system. He knows the offense. And he's a guy who can help them. So I'm glad to see him coming back. Another guy who I hope comes back is Cody Core. Now, the Giants right now, I believe, have two open roster spots as I record this. So Cody Core, the receiver slash special teamer, who was so good for the Giants in 2019. I mean, he was their best gunner, and he actually led the team in special teams tackles that year. And unfortunately, last year, he tore his Achilles. So the Giants, you know, while he was recovering with that, the Giants did have to cut him to save salary cap space. I think they saved something like $2.8 million when they cut him. But if he's healthy, he could potentially be brought back. And I hope he is. I hope he's healthy and I hope he does come back because he was just dynamic on special teams. You know, gunner play last year just wasn't as consistent. It did settle down there towards the end, but it just, it, it was a mess. And, um, you know, I think Cody Core and maybe CJ Board as the other gunner can help to stabilize that, that all important position for the Giants punt coverage team. Another guy that Giants worked out in addition to Cody Core is linebacker Todd Davis. Todd Davis is an inside linebacker. And, you know, with Blake Martinez currently on the reserve COVID list and Reggie Raglan is on the, um, I believe the NFI list right now. So they're a little thin right now at uh, inside linebacker. So that's why the Giants looked at uh, Todd Davis. Now, I don't know if they're going to sign him. I guess it all depends on how far along uh, Martinez, well, Martinez isn't back in the building yet. I don't believe I didn't see him at practice on Thursday. Uh, Raglan, I don't know where he is in his rehab, but certainly the Giants, you know, paying attention to the depth, to the numbers that they have and what they're going to need in order to get themselves through the rest of, uh, summer training camps. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, Giant fans, stay tuned with me. I've got training camp observations, some general stuff from the first two days of practice coming up right after this. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and we are recapping the first couple of days of Giants training camp. Right now, not a whole lot to talk about for a couple reasons. Number one, the Giants are in the acclimation period, which means they've been working in helmets and uh, shorts. They are going to switch to, I believe, shorts and shells for Friday's practice and then Saturday's practice. I think that's the plan, but no full pads until next Tuesday. So we have a little bit more to go before we actually see real football at a, at a higher intensity level, but still a few things to take away from the first couple of days of practice. And um, I'm just going to, you know, rattle off a few things, a few notes that I took from the two days worth of practices. And I'll do this, you know, for the next, you know, I'll do this every so many days with you, unless I have, you know, a lot 
for one particular show, but I'll try and keep you updated as best as I can. All right. So for those of you who aren't familiar with how I kind of take notes and what the parameters are, the media is not allowed to describe certain deployments. So I can't tell you who lined up in what spot. I can't tell you about certain packages they're running. Um, what I can tell you is, you know, I could talk about individual drills. I can talk about player performances and um, technique and all that stuff. So that's kind of what I focus on. I mean, I do take notes regarding the other stuff that I can't report just so I have it in the back of my mind, but um, unfortunately I can't disseminate that. So that said, let me go through some of the names that have kind of stepped up and just some general things that I've seen from the training camp practices to two days of camp. Um, one guy who is to me, who has really stood out on the defensive side has been Carter Coughlin, the second year inside linebacker. Now Coughlin, um, last year he played some outside linebacker, was a pass rusher, but this year I think he's going to be playing mostly inside. And with Blake Martinez and Reggie Raglan sidelined, as I mentioned in, you know, the prior set, the prior segment, uh, Coughlin has stepped in there and he has done a pretty, pretty good job. He's quick. He's got good instincts um, and just you watch him and he just sniffs out the plays. It's like I've seen him blow up a couple of plays and um, he, he just seems to be in the right position all the time to make plays on the ball. And I don't think I have seen him get fooled very often, to be honest with you, with misdirections or anything like that. And coverage, you know, he's still a little shall I say, a little raw in that that regard, you know, needs some, he, he's still kind of feeling itself out. But I like what I've seen from him. And, and that's important because, you know, one of the positions the Giants really didn't address in the draft is inside linebacker. And the question, you know, a lot of people are like, well, what do they do if God forbid something happens to Blake Martinez, who's going to take over that, that uh, role? I think Coughlin has a chance, you know, you've got Tate Crowder, who is the incumbent opposite of, of Blake Martinez, but Coughlin's a guy who I could see potentially earning more reps, to be honest with you. I like what I've seen from him. So um, let's see, what else can I tell you? Oh, let me tell you about uh, the passing drills. Uh, the Giants worked on red zone both days. They worked on it on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And on Thursday, the difference was they worked from it uh, a little deeper in the red zone. I mean, a little further back. So instead of working like from the 10 yard line upwards, they were working from the 20, um, between the 20 and the 10. So one thing I, I took note of, actually a couple things I took note of that I really liked. Number one, quarterback Daniel Jones, who, by the way, after every practice that the media has been admitted to, you see him, he's he's the last person off the field. He's usually throwing passes to Kenny Galladay. Those two, I'm telling you, they play catch every opportunity they get. And that is so important. That is just going to pay off big time for these guys when the season starts. But you know, the thing I wanted to see with Daniel Jones is, and I've mentioned this before on the, on the show, I've mentioned how Jones just seems to take forever to throw the ball, to decide what to do with the ball and get it out of his hands. And I've been watching his drills in particular. Now I get it. There's no pass rush. You know, it's not a full 11 on 11 yet. But that being said, 
one of the drills the Giants ran on Thursday was they had a bunch of defensive backs drop back into the end zone and kind of flood the end zone. And then they sent the receivers out, okay, on, on their various patterns. And Jones, in reading the coverage, was getting that ball out of his hand as quickly as I have ever seen him do it. So he was more decisive with the ball. He was getting the ball out of his hand and he was hitting his receivers. He threw a couple of touchdowns at least that I saw, uh, maybe had more, but he definitely looked sharper in terms of, you know, A, how he looked on Wednesday's practice and B, what I recall from last year when he would just stand there and, you know, pat the ball and kind of dance a little bit before deciding where to go with it. So that was definitely encouraging. Now, another thing I took note of was with the receivers themselves after they would catch the ball. And I don't know if this is new. I mean, I've never noticed it before with the receivers, but it was something that I took note of. What the receivers were doing is they would catch the ball and then they would turn to run. And when they did so, they would bring the ball kind of up to their breastplate and then they would kind of crisscross their arms, like bring the other arm up to crisscross the ball and secure it up against their breastplate. And I just thought that was interesting because, you know, I don't have the statistics how many drop passes there were in the red zone last year or in the end zone for that matter. Um, but certainly I do know that the Giants red zone offense last year was not very good. And it's nice to see the coaching staff not leaving anything to chance. So if this is a, um, a new tactic that they've been taught, great. That means hopefully we'll see, you know, fewer defenders trying to poke the ball out of the, you know, the receiver's grasp and just, you know, seeing them be a little bit more productive than, than what they've been in the, in the red zone last year. So that was something that stood out to me as well. All right. What else can I tell you? Um, oh, pre-snap motion. That's something I've been looking for because, you know, a lot has been written about how pre-snap motion can help a young quarterback. And, you know, I, I've been looking to see if the Giants have been doing a little bit more of that. And so far, I can't honestly say that they've been doing all that much more from what I remember from last year. Now that could still be yet to come when they do the, you know, when they get into more of the 11 on 11 stuff, but I haven't seen a whole lot of that just yet. So um, we'll see if that, we'll see if they bring that in. I mean, uh, it certainly can't hurt, but uh, we'll see if they bring that in. The running game. I want to talk a little bit about that. The Giants, um, have been working Corey Clement and Devonta Booker and Gary Brightwell's been getting some snaps as well um, at running back. Mainly, you know, Booker is, is, you know, the next guy up, I guess, and on the depth chart. And just a lot of the early runs, and I don't know, again, if this is just because they're not doing a lot of 11 on 11s or they don't want to, you know, they want to avoid contacts, but they've been working with a lot of off tackle runs. All right. And, um, you know, I expect them to do all kinds of runs off tackle, um, you know, misdirections up the gut, you know, I expect to see all of that, but it's been interesting to kind of see how each player seems to have his own specific, uh, play set, if you will, 
in terms of, you know, the types of runs he's been asked to execute. And, you know, I, I always say that players are not robots. So this coach talk about, oh, you know, next man up. I'm sorry, they're not robots. And to, to expect one guy to do the same thing as well as the next guy is just being totally unrealistic. So I, I just don't see that happening. And I think the coaching staff is being smart and not asking these guys to do the same thing as say a Saquon Barkley and so on and so forth. Um, a couple of other things. Let's see. Ellerson Smith, the fourth round pick, you know, he's been on the side the last couple of days. I don't know what's, what's up with him. Um, he hasn't been placed on any of the lists. You know, he wasn't on pup. He wasn't on um, any of the reserve lists. So I don't know if something popped up recently or if he's one of those guys that when Joe Judge talked about guys who were exposed to COVID or who had COVID before training camp, maybe, you know, needed to get his win back. But if that were the case, I would have thought that, you know, Ellerson Smith wouldn't have passed his um, his conditioning test. So I'm not sure what's going on with him. I mean, realistically, I don't think Ellerson Smith was going to have a huge role anyway in the uh, defense, but... I'm kind of disappointed because I really wanted to see what he brought to the table and uh, how he might be deployed. So um, we'll just have to wait on that, I guess, for the time being. The penalty laps are back. And the Giants sent, I believe, five guys today, being Thursday, on penalty laps. Aziz Ojulari, Nick Gates, Daniel Jones, Alec Bachman and Brett Hedgie all had laps to run. So again, nice to see those back because, you know, as Joe Judge says, if you commit a mis- if you make a mental mistake, it's going to cost you in the game. So better to kind of remind these guys now in practice that, hey, mental mistakes are not going to be tolerated. So, all right. Um, I think that's all I have, all the main points I have. Again, I took some, some specifics that... I- you know, I apologize, folks. I can't, I just can't, you know, share that yet with you. I mean, it'll, when they get to the scrimmage that then I can share that stuff because I think that's going to be, you know, more of an open type of deal, but right now just can't get into details. But that said, what I would like to do is I'd like to ask everybody who's listening a favor. If there is a particular player you want to hear about in these training camp reports, Drop me a line on the uh, uh, on the email, the Locked On Giants Podcast at Gmail account, and that's in the show notes. So tell me who you want me to focus on, and I will do my best to try and you know hone in on that guy, either during individuals or you know if they do teamwork, you know, whenever wherever I can get get my eyes on him, I will do my best to to uh, accommodate. So again, that's locked on giants podcast at gmail.com and tell me who you want to hear about. Also, if you have a question for the mailbag, you can use that same account to send me your questions. We haven't done a mailbag in so long and I really would like to do one. You know, I enjoy doing the mailbag. So send me your questions. And if you use that email account this way, I will know that that the questions are for the podcast and not for Giants Country. All right, Giant fans, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. The Giants do have one more practice this week. It'll be on Saturday. That's That one, I think, is going to be kind of a light practice. So 
I'll be back on Monday with all new shows as we continue our daily coverage of the New York Giants training camp. So until then, have a great weekend and we will talk to you next week.